Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Happy 2024! New year, new you, right? Let me guess. You're thinking about joining a new gym, starting a fad diet, buying that... Theragun everyone's always yammering on about, <laughs> I've got a better idea. Listen to my podcast. I'm Samantha B, writer, comedian, and host of Choice Words from Lemonada Media. This whole month of January, we're going to help you make better choices in 2024. We'll go beyond superficial hacks and get at the truth of how to lead a more meaningful life. Just search for Choice Words on your podcast player of choice and hit follow so you don't miss an episode. Now that is a good choice. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, I am never not thinking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. <laughs> I wake up. I go to sleep. They are on my mind all week long. It's just not going to stop. And this is Mohana Dilshehi. And I think that everything that has been happening in the world lately, including the Oscars, is to take our attention away from the fact that the Queen might be dead. And we should talk about that more. <laughs> so I see it through that you. Misdirect. <laughs> I see it through you. And my name is Oha Lopez. And I woke up and I was like suffocating and I realized that it's because I had a dog fully like just standing on my face. <laughs> and I just hope that everyone gets to feel that level of love and also possible death by asphyxiation over the night because of the love of your dogs. I don't know if you guys experience this with cats, but no. if a 30 pound thing is sitting on your face, you, you're going to have to wake up gasping. Well, before we get into today's episode, we wanted to let you know that No One Is Coming to Save Us, the hit show from Lemonada Media, is back as a weekly series covering America's ongoing childcare crisis and the people of all ages who are crushed by it. Because access to early education and care determines a kid's future. Every Thursday, veteran reporter Gloria Riviera examines what's broken in the system and how we can work together to fix it. Gloria is a mom herself and brings compassion, wit, and real solutions to each episode. The series features interviews with experts, politicians, influential thinkers, and real testimonials from parents. No One Is Coming to Save Us has new episodes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Now we start our topic deep dive of the week. I'm so excited about this because we already were planning this and then... (laughs) The slap happened. We'll call it like BS and uh, before the slap and after the slap. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, we are recording this part in particular on Tuesday. So 48 hours after, I'll call it the slap and then 24 hours after the Will Smith apology that came out. So we've definitely had some time as people to like start digesting this and starting to understand It seems like everybody's trying to find culpability and trying to figure out how they feel about it. How have your thoughts sort of like mutated or evolved from like the moment that it happened? I mean, we did that bonus episode and, you know, that was sort of like, I think, our most raw emotions and feelings. I don't think that I have changed much in that. I think I become more empathetic along the way for mm-hmm. for many reasons, right? You just learn more, you hear more, and now we have the apology now to sort of dissect like what Will's thoughts were. Honestly, uh, for me, I, I feel like I'm kind of starting to detach from the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm just like, oh, we're still doing this. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. I wish we could... 
we could just move on because after a while you start being like oh why am i thinking about these millionaires that much uh <laughs> I'm just like, I have other stuff to worry about. But I mean, you know, it's very interesting to see like the way people are talking. Like, I feel like I'm not really tuned into the incident itself and thinking about it as much as I am tuned into the online discourse about it and how it just keeps changing. I feel like people are just like now at the stage of projecting their own experiences and emotions and making it into something that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And like bringing on like their own like traumas and stuff. And sometimes I just feel like things can be an incident that just happened between two adults and does not have to be a reflection of the culture as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like people are just taking so many like global events and attaching them to this one incident. And I'm just like, those two things have nothing to do with one another. Yeah. You know, like some people are saying like, oh, this incident like showed us like that we are normalizing violence in America. And I'm just like, oh, this is the incident. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not the like, yeah, trillions of dollars that we put into our military every year to say like, (laughs) we are number one. (laughs) (laughs) We're number one violent. Um, Well, I guess that goes back to like, how did you guys feel about the apology? Well, the funniest part is like, you know, the apology comes out and, you know, immediately I start seeing people online like, well, I like Chris's statement better. And I'm like, Chris's statement? I haven't seen anything from Chris. And then we come to find out that this whole other fake statement that somebody created was being sent around, which is also just weird that people take the time to create false statements for celebrities that they, I don't know if they're speaking on behalf, and that he had to come out to just to say like, no, I didn't make a statement. But, you know, then we get the, you know, the Will Smith statement. And I think it's, really well written and it set, it hits all of the points that we expect from an apology. It's different from what he was feeling in that moment because, you know, obviously right after the event, we see, you know, his son posting like, you know, something about like, this is how we do it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we see him party. But at the same time, does he not deserve to? I mean, he did just win an Oscar. Like, does he not have a right to go out and party and then do the apology later? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's very hard to even, like, comment on the apology itself because, like, so far we have not heard from Chris Rock about it. And what does he feel? It wasn't a long apology or or anything. And, you know, he said, like, violence is not the answer. But I feel like there is so much that's going to be said about this incident from, you know, both Will and Jada as well. I believe she posted about it on Instagram herself. Yeah, saying this is the season for healing and I'm here for it. I thought the apology was good. I could tell the difference between him right after and his speech. There's something to say for the just the time that it takes to process things. Like it just takes human beings time away from like the shock and the anger. And it takes you a moment to align like your real values with the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. And this is clearly an apology that's more aligned with Will's values versus what was happening right after he slapped proverbial shit out of Chris Rock. Because the (laughs) truth is, he got him. He got him pretty hard. It wasn't a soft slap. And so the idea that the Oscars or that that broadcast in some ways belongs to a lot of people and it is like a cultural moment that a lot of people look forward to. That was sort of like rocked by the fact that now we can't think about anything else or can't talk about anything else aside from what happened on that stage. I I think he knows that. Is there any of this apology that feels like self-preservation-y to you? Like, I'm sure he's worried about what this is going to do to his career or like what's going to happen. Do you guys think there will be any effects on his career? I don't think so. I mean, I think he will be fine. I I will say I think it would be ridiculous these calls to like have his oscar taken away when obviously there's plenty of people who have oscars that have never gotten it removed who've done far worse things if you're gonna start with the slap then yeah like you know i definitely don't think that that's the answer will he lose a few thousand followers of course there's people that they're always on the edge they're ready (laughs) they're ready to let you go at any moment they just want one thing yeah um but I, I think he'll be fine. Not only is he going to be fine, I feel like this is going to be an opportunity to just uh, make some work of art around it of some sort. They're going to be like either like a documentary or like 
something like Finding Will or um... <laughs> yeah. yeah, or if even if they do the Red Table Talk together, who knows? You know, yeah. like they'll do that. I mean, Chris Rock, his luckily his comedy show, he had a tour going on, sales kind of took off, which it's great for him. I don't think he wanted to get slapped in order for that to happen, but you know, okay, great. You know, at least that's like something positive that came out of it, I guess. Yeah. I'm also was really surprised by people who were like too little, too late, and I'm just like, I was I don't 24 understand. hours. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> what the hell? I don't. I want you to take time and think about it. If you're giving me an apology, like in the moment, I'm not gonna believe it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's social media for you, obviously. I mean, a lot of people like think they are the center of it all. Like this is about me now, of uh, somehow. And it's just like, bro, no one gives a fuck what you care about this apology. Like, literally, this is like only for Chris Rock and only for Chris Rock to accept or deny or comment on. I mean, we can react to it as much as we want to, but, you know, it's not for me. That's the thing that's kind of like so unsettling about it is like, this is something we weren't supposed to witness. Yeah. Like, if he had, you know, again, I don't even think that this was about Chris Rock. I think that was something, again, it was a buildup and he just happened to get the brunt of it. But either way, like, that was not something we were supposed to see. And we did. And now, like, we're all a part of it. And I don't really want to be, but it's hard not to be because it was so in our face. But it's just weird. This is the kind of thing that I want to talk about, too, is like, it does take time for us to get over this, right? And there is that moment, too, with all these people in the room where this happens right in front of you and nobody knows what to do. Like, between that moment, between when it happens to when he goes on stage, like, it's clear that what we're looking at is a bunch of rich-ass, beautiful, hot celebrities just, like, not knowing what the right thing to do is in that moment. And I think that that is the processing that needed to happen over the course of the last couple of days. And I'm sure that just now people are coming to value-focused conclusions on to what happened for them. But boy, are we willing to let anything go by before we know how we feel about it. I mean, honestly, I feel like part of it has to do with how the uh, ceremony was handled. Mm. Like, right after the slab happened, like, I feel like the role of the host is to address what just happened. Like, you're either making, like, a very direct joke about it. You mention it. You (laughs) say something about it. So you can, like, give people something so we can, like, move on. But that yeah. did not happen. It's just like continued in like this like very weird, awkward way. And the only time this lab was, was mentioned again or was commented on was when Will Smith was on stage again. So, yeah. I mean, he was driving the whole conversation. Like you did not really give people like anything, any other alternative. But like we watched this from home and we did not know how to deal with it. Absolute state of confusion and shock. <laughs> And that's the thing, like you had like three comedians who were hosting the Oscars. And I'm not saying that they should have dealt with it because, you know, they can't just say whatever they want to. But, you know, you have writers who, you know, hand, like comedy writers who are like writing these jokes and stuff. This should have been handled because like this is like, you know, like any other comedy show. Like sometimes you someone on stage and they just completely bomb and it's just like absolutely kill the room (laughs) and like you have to bring the room back that's what you do but no one brought the room back they just kept going with their like other less scheduled bits and everyone was like let's talk about will smith yeah Amy Schumer had that one short bit that was like, did something happen while I was gone? Like she was like, I was backstage changing or whatever. And it got like a little bit of laughs, but it was still, I I think maybe this is one of those wreck moments. Like, I don't know how you recover from that moment, but yeah, I love that Anthony uh, Hopkins was on stage and he tried to comment (laughs) on it and he started talking and then he was like, man, I'm in my 80s. I don't need to deal with this. If I get slapped right now, I would literally not survive this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure there'll be more to talk about with this in particular, especially considering that Chris hasn't said anything yet. But I mean, do you guys think he will? Do you guys think he's going to say anything? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like Maybe on his comedy tour. Maybe, you know, this will be even more reason to buy a ticket is because, you know, he'll let it out on stage. And so that's that's worth that's worth the price alone. Um, You know, for me, I'm I'm now just looking in the future. I'm thinking, 
what comedian is going to, you know, host the Oscars in the future? I mean, I always want Ricky Gervais. Like, I'm just kind of like, can we just make him permanent host? Because <laughs> look, he will tear that room to pieces and and you laugh and it's awful because he says terrible things that I love and find absolutely hilarious. And I don't know, because at this point, comedians need hazard pay just to jump <laughs> off the stage. Or just, you know, instead of Chris Rock, just get The Rock himself. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Like, literally, The Rock can just be like, you just <laughs> insult you to your face and be like, well... That that was that. Just gonna sit here and take it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One of the things I think that we were thinking about in general when we were gonna, you know, when we were thinking about this episode that didn't have anything to do with Will and Chris was all the things that happened, kind of leading up to the Oscars, and then some of the things that happened during the ceremony aside from them. So first of all, kind of like a flutter and Twitter was like, just a few days before the Oscars, I think it was like five or six days before the actual award ceremony when we heard kind of tangentially about Rachel Zegler not being invited to it. Did you guys hear about that in particular? Yeah, I did. The way that I kind of got it was that the Academy gives out a certain amount of tickets to companies. So they'll give it to Disney and they won't give it specifically to, you know, the actors or whatever, unless they're presenting, I suppose. And so I guess in this point in particular, they gave these tickets out to Disney, but didn't know how they were going to be doled out. And to me, I'm like, bro, she's your lead person in a movie that's nominated for Best Picture with a ton of other nominations. Like, why is she not a presenter? Why is she not at least somebody important that Disney thought to invite? It doesn't make sense. It sounded like Disney had like several films up for awards so that it was like had to be doled out. But again, you're Disney And this is, like, a huge deal. Like, I'm sure you can get one more ticket. Come on. Exactly. It feels like when, did you ever hear that story about when Shonda Rhimes wanted to get Disneyland tickets for her family who was visiting, and they were trying to not give her Disneyland tickets? It's just like, why is Disney being so stingy to people that are, like, really bringing them in? Buku mounts of money. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's that's what happens when your CEO is a mouse. Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> stuff falls through the cracks, baby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is he a mouse or is he a rat? <laughs> oh my god. My favorite was how we found out that Rachel wasn't invited because I guess somebody just asked her like, hey, I can't wait to see what you're going to be wearing at the Oscars. And she's like, well, nothing because I wasn't invited. So she didn't have a problem with it publicly. But I bet you that she got dinged by her publicist or somebody that's like, get off of your phone right now. Stop talking about this. I'm sorry. If I'm a lead in a movie and it's nominated for an Oscar and I don't get invited, (laughs) I am not waiting for someone to ask me a question to talk about it. (laughs) I am tagging the Academy and I'm tweeting about it. And I'm going to be like, just keep tagging them. Like, my ticket? Where's my ticket? Where's my, what's happening? I'll tag Joe Biden. I'm like, why are you not talking about this? What's happening? (laughs) They did end up kind of like adding Zegler to the presenter lineup. Um, yeah. But they definitely declined to comment. They just were like, let's just fucking patch this up, <laughs> put a goddamn Band-Aid on this, and not answer any more questions, and it'll go away. And, and honestly, it has. There's obviously, like, a currency in the Oscars of, like, who's invited? Are you going to the fanciest party? Are you invited to Vanny Fair? Are you invited to Elton John's? And so it's kind of funny to see what people who are in the nascent parts of their career, like a Rachel Zegler, which is like, she's going to get bigger and bigger, you know, but she's got this, you know, Snow White role, and she's going to be a new Disney princess. But still, it's clear that there's not an established respect with her as a person, or else they never would have not invited her in the first place. I mean, she she looked good. So at least we know she got a last minute dress that, <laughs> I mean, I don't know who provided it, but you know, she looked good. She looked awesome. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. 
It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few, and of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. All that to say about presenters, but the pre-taped prizes or them moving them turning like off air parts of the show. So what did you guys think about that? Because I have my thoughts, but I'd love to know. I hated that. I hated that so much. First of all, the categories that they picked... I think the Academy deemed them less important and it's wild yeah. to me because a lot of, I mean, some of the categories I think that has to do with sound and editing and, and all of that stuff. Like, I'm sorry, do you know how a movie is made? Do you think it's someone just films it and then just posts it on a channel or something? <laughs> like, what's yeah. happening here? Like, the editing and, like, the sound and the scores and all of that stuff takes so much time to do. It is literally the, one of the most important aspects of movie making. And then you have the, you know, I think the uh, animated short and the uh, live action short as well, where also, you know, they recorded the speeches beforehand. And one of the winners was Riz Ahmed, who were like, you know, like the first Muslim person to win an Oscar for the for a short. And they were just like, OK, yeah, we're just going to let you pre-tape this and uh, we're not even going to show the whole speech. And I just like, what are you doing? What is this? And then to fill the time with just other bits and stuff that to me were just like, what's happening here? Did we really pre-tape this so we can show a video of 60 years of Bond? Who gives a fuck? You're right. Which, by the way, was presented by Tony Hawk, Kelly Slater, and Sean White. Okay, great athletes, but the fact that they also got invites before Rachel Sackler, <laughs> very <right>. strange. <laughs> Yeah. You're it is so strange like the decision making is bizarre. And that short was so good by the way. And then also all the stuff that came out was like you have these big people like Steven Spielberg actively came out and said I disagree with the decision made by like the executive committee and he said he felt really strongly that film was kind of quote in his words the most collaborative art in the world. And that all of these people make these movies together. So I definitely had a huge problem with them moving it back. It feels very much like when everybody gets together and puts money in a pot to get the the director, the CEO, a gift in like, <laughs> you know, like during Christmas. We're like, hold on, we're the workers. Like, we're the ones that are making this fucking happen. Like, why, why don't we get recognition? Why don't we get it? It, it definitely mirrors the feeling that like celebrities and these big famous people are the most important people in the room versus actually a night to celebrate film. You know, it's like a night to celebrate celebrities. Yeah. Like when you say like the decisions, you know, are weird. It's like, it's, I think it goes along with why who is invited is also in that weird strategy making decision. It's like, okay, maybe we don't care about Rachel, who was obviously a big part of this film, but Tony Hawk has like 31 uh, you know, million followers online and he could bring a whole different yeah. aspect to the show and yeah. our ratings are dwindling and we need a new viewership. You know, weird things like that that go into their decision making. Yeah, I just feel like, yeah. well, what is the point of having Tony Hawk on unless you were going to have him like skate to his presenter spot? <laughs> <laughs> right? I want to see a half bite. Yeah, exactly. He just walked to his mic or whatever and just talked. I'm like, bro, unless you're doing some kind of sick move. Uh <laughs> I'll pass. 
No, and this also goes back to our the episode that we did on Rust with like Alec Baldwin and like the protest of like how these people get treated. And it's like there's this feeling that above the line or that's kind of the term above the line workers in Hollywood are what matters. But this whole year has been about making below the line workers matter. So the Oscars choice to like exclude people who are already protesting, don't get paid enough, like are already people who in general, don't get appreciated and have had to unionize this year to make sure that they get paid and that they get seen. And then you're also going to like bump them off of the celebration. It kind of feels like, oh, you don't get it. Like you don't get what we're trying to move towards as a society. You're actually just doing the opposite. Um, It doesn't feel like they're looking into the future. It feels short-sighted. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah, the commercials felt more f- future thinking than anything. <laughs> there were, every commercial was about an electric car, which I was happy to see. I'm sorry, the commercials though. And also, let's not forget the mention of uh, every time they mentioned Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, they're like, Ukraine, uh, they need help. They need donations. Crypto.com. <laughs> Please, let's destroy uh, the environment so we can save Ukraine. Like, what are you even saying? Please stop showing me crypto stuff. I, I Please, for the love of God, I am so tired of hearing that stuff. And I think, I mean, again, not condoning violence or slapping or any of that stuff. But if anyone deserved that, it would have been celebrities who will not stop talking about NFTs on whatever. Yeah. We'll rename this podcast episode just who should get slapped. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs to get slapped? Yeah. Do you guys like award shows in general? Like, it seems like Hollywood is kind of like split on them. It feels like a lot of people are like, these are stupid, like self-aggrandizing things. And then there's a whole other camp that's like, no, these are valuable and they highlight important things. Where do you guys stand on that? I used to just really never watch them. I really couldn't stand them. Like, I might pop in to watch a performance or something like that. Yeah. But lately, since I just, like, want to be more informed about things that are happening, and it is a big pop culture moment, I tend to watch them more now. See, my thing is, I feel like there are so many ways to make uh, the Oscars impactful and make them actually, like, have, you know, a cultural moment, as people like to call it. But it's just uh, everyone who it feels like who is in in you know in charge of like preparation and like making the stuff and engineering this whole event truly have no idea what they're doing. It's all about like engineering like viral moments and uh, yeah doing stupid bits that lead to nothing eventually, and you know and then it comes to actual like tangible stuff that they could do. And they either do them like really quick or they do them in a way that's just like so watered down that it makes absolutely no sense. So I don't know. I mean, it, it clearly like, you know, the people on top in charge are like, you know, it's just like a bunch of white people who think this is what's in and this is what's right. But, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. diversify a bit and get more ideas. I was also curious, like, you know how they say, like, with the Olympics, right? You know, Olympic villages or Olympics, they build up all these sites. And then, like, a year later, they're, like, abandoned, run down. Like, you know, they're always not taken care of. And, like, I had that moment at the very opening when Serena and Venus introduced Beyonce, who was performing her song on the Compton tennis court that they said that I think Venus and Serena had grown up using. And they had you know, painted the whole thing like a tennis ball color and everyone was in these monochromatic colors and it was gorgeous right in the middle of Compton. And I was like, this is really cool. I wonder if they use the moments after to like turn that into like a place where people can come visit, right? Because the whole point is to like show people Compton and for what it's, you know, and everything it's about. So it's like, will they turn that into an art installation? Will they turn that into a tennis court where it would give free tennis uh, lessons to kids in Compton. I don't know, but I think about stuff like that, or I'm like, or is it just a thing that'll get ripped down and it was just used to create this moment mm-hmm. for, yeah. you know, five minutes? It is, it definitely speaks to like the, like, is this useful? Is this helpful to humanity? Is this like, you know, this is almost like a hundred year old 
like show, a hundred year old award ceremonies. I think it's like this is their ninety fourth or ninety fifth year. Mm-hmm. And I know just from my reading that last year the Oscars was literally the lowest, the least watched in history of all of their awards. And so yeah. it, there was only something like nine point two million people like tuned in to actually watch Nomadland win like Best Picture. And so I have a feeling that like the Academy feels like they have to make these big choices and make these big changes in order to like keep people coming to watch it. But you realize that once you go for the virality of something and once you are going for the thing that the most people are going to put their eyes on, things start to lose their luster. They start to lose the reason that you made them in the first place. And that's why sometimes when I look at these award Mm -hmm. shows, I'm like, all these movies, the reason we love them so much is because they are real authentic depictions of real people and and they're made with passion and they're made with love and they're made by the people who are very invested in that story. Yet the thing that we do to honor them isn't invested in its own story and in the reason why it's doing it in the first place. So that's why we love the movie and then don't care when it gets awarded by these things because it's just it doesn't feel like it's really adding much to the thing that we love in the first place mm-hmm. all that to go back to of like another thing that happened that you mentioned earlier kiki was like the jane campion thing which is like the venus and serena are having an unreal crazy awards run like why them why couldn't it be somebody else anyone else anyone else um but yeah so I don't know if you guys heard, like, why this came up in the first place, like the Sam Elliott thing. Oh, yeah. So initially, the Jane Campion thing, it was essentially because Sam Elliott made some comments about the power of the dog. He went on Mark Maron's What the Fuck, which is always a fun idea to just go talk shit on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, Elliott's just kind of, like, calling into question the idea that it's a Western or not. And he, like, talks shit about Benedict Cumberbatch. And he talks shit about the West. And so Jane Campion kind of calls him out for being sexist. And the quote was he he was being a little bit of a bitch, (laughs) which, oh, God. But all of that puts Jane Campion in a position to kind of like go on stage, win this, and then. Yeah, people are loving her. They're cheering her on. They're cheering her on. And then I know she said, um, essentially, like, Venus and Serena, you're such marvels. However, you don't play against the guys like I have to. Oh, Lord, Jane Campion. Like, what were y'all thoughts when you heard about it? Why do you have to drag these two Black women who have nothing to do with anything about anything happening going on and compare your quote-unquote struggle, which let's be clear, let's be clear, let's just go, I'm sorry, let's just go quickly to Jane Campion's wiki. Campion, the second daughter of Edith Campion, an actress, writer, and heiress, and Richard Campion, <laughs> a, a teacher and theater and opera director. I'm sorry, Jane Campion. You did not come from struggle. Don't compare what Venus and Serena did coming up to you having to be a, a, a director who happens to be a woman. Come yeah. on. Yeah. And, and I mean, also, like, this has roots in, like, just, like, what white feminism is. And, like, not being able to see outside of outside of gender, you know? Obviously, yes, the patriarchy is like men controlling the uh, the business and you have to compete against that and, and all of that stuff. But race somehow in, in class, too, is never included in that uh, equation. And this is not just about women. These are like two black women, like you said, Kiki. And they're not going only against men. They're going against men. They're going against uh, racism. They're going against so many other things. Like, how can you ignore all of that and the things that like serena williams like i like you like so many like headlines as of like just like recently the past few years every time she has done something on the court it's turned into this like big fiasco about her and like her actions and made into such a big deal and then you have this woman who like you know come from a privileged background just being like yeah, but you don't have it as bad as me. And you're like, what are you even talking about? Also, I th- I thought when she, you know, when she won and gave the speech, I was like, you could have took maybe 10 seconds out of that speech and apologized to these two women publicly. Because you talked about them during an award show. Maybe you should apologize to them in an award show. Okay, this is a good apology 
like note that you've given. I agree. Exactly. I mean, it's the same, you know, same stage, public insult, public apology. You can't just apologize after the fact and then being like, no, this is not. Now she decided that now she's won an Oscar. Like this is an award that she cannot, you know, she cannot take away from her time to talk about other women. Now this is became an issue. She did apologize the next day, which yeah. I'm I'm happy that she was like could see why it was so incendiary, why it, like stirred emotions in people. And her apology was essentially she said that she was kind of thoughtless in equating what she did in the film world with everything that Serena and Venus had achieved, and that she didn't intend to devalue, you know, these two kind of quote legendary black women and world class athletes. So I I get that. The thing about like I feel like about being being an actor is you're what what you're very good at is reading other people's lines. That's what you do best. <laughs> you read yeah. other people's words and you just say them in in the way that you deliver them is what people like about you. So maybe when you go on stage to read a, a speech or whatever, uh, just stick to that. Stick what you're good at. Stop <laughs> start trying to come up with words. You know, I feel like unless you're like Denzel, I feel like you sh- shouldn't. <laughs> and I personally, I know she apologize i personally don't really think it was a great apology and i don't really actually think that she saw what she was doing i still think that she was so in her head thinking it was still about like the woman thing whereas like i was reading this article and i learned this great term massage noir yeah like she doesn't understand the massage noir that the williams sister face it's a completely different kind of experience it's not just them competing against men in tennis has nothing to do with you competing with men in a completely different field it's not the same thing don't try to like step on them to make yourself feel better i don't forgive her i didn't really want her to win the oscar and uh (laughs) i wanted everyone else to i wanted kirsten i wanted everyone else it's very simple to understand that the men that they're competing against are not on court that's the thing they are everywhere else in the mm-hmm. tennis federation yeah. and everything else. And it's just, you know, uh, some people just do not learn. Yeah, I, I agree. And I didn't like the apology either. It had a whiff of, I'm not the kind of person that would do that kind of thing. Where mm-hmm. it's like, well, you are because you did. And this yeah. the, the idea of like the last thing I would ever want to do is minimize remarkable women. It's not the last thing you would want to do because... <laughs> It's it's just this feeling of carelessness as people go on stage. And I realize that not everybody is like well trained and just, you know, trains of thought happen. But then also the backlash is going to happen. I think it's like a natural back and forth to when you say something fucked up, you know? Absolutely. Which is why I will say like I will the opening of the Oscars, I was actually like really excited. And I think maybe maybe even that moment was brought on because I think that the I think the Oscars were produced by Will Packer's production company, if I'm not mistaken. But like the fact that Venus and Serena opened opened the oscars i was like i felt like that was like an f you to jane a little bit because it was like and then the moment i saw you know beyonce's dancers with all of those beads in their head it was like so it was like this this represents me because i remember those sorry i'm gonna cry i remember those beads (laughs) and i remember how when they were on the court and like we constantly get penalized for their beads hitting the court you know yeah like he doesn't fucking understand like we get penalized for our hairstyles like she doesn't ever gonna fucking understand that so fuck you jane anyways moving on <laughs> you made me cry fuck okay me now God. we're changing now we're changing the <laughs> the title of the podcast to fuck you jane yeah jane <laughs> you're never gonna be on the podcast i'll, I'll tell you that much <laughs> Oh my god. It's a shitty thing and I'm and but I'm glad that you got the opportunity to like for them to open up like that. And I'm yeah. and, it, and it said the right thing to the right person cuz it said it to you, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. 
From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Can't get enough of your favorite Lemonada Media podcasts? By subscribing to Lemonada Premium today, you'll gain access to fun and inspiring bonus content from all of our podcasts across the Lemonada Media network. As a subscriber, you can listen to never-before-heard interview excerpts, behind-the-scenes segments, and continue to uncover new ways to make life suck less through all of our exclusive subscriber audio. Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. So much music has happened also during the Oscars night as uh, yes. we can talk about the, the music choices of like people singing and there's also the music that has been chosen for people before they come out on stage, which was uh, very specific in some cases. <laughs> for example, like Daniel Kaluuya like went on stage and they played uh, Toto's Africa. Uh, not sure why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to find a connection here uh, <laughs> of that. It was just, I don't know. I don't know. And then what is it? Is it Was it Leguizamo? Is that who went out and it was like to essentially like just some fun Latin music? You know what? <laughs> I bizarrely love the idea that anytime I enter a room that somebody starts playing <laughs> Celia Cruz's La Vida es un Carnaval as my as just my entry point to anywhere that I walk into. I am scared to know if I ever if I ever get on that stage what, what the choice gonna... of audio will be. Uh, are they just going to play like verses from the Quran or something? I I don't know. <laughs> nice if they got some input from the people who were walking out like you would think that you would at least be like what would you like to hear in the background as you are entering the stage but yeah ask somebody like honestly i um, feel like it just like just play a nice random song or be like <laughs> or maybe ask them like hey what's your favorite song from this year what can we play or maybe something yeah. that has to do with the uh, category you're presenting it has nothing to do with the presenters and also, they uh, they had um, you know we don't talk about Bruno. The song was was you know performed on stage, and I love that they had Megan the Stallion in it. <laughs> just throw her in for a little bit of impact. <laughs> I just love that Megan the Stallion came in and she was like, you know what, fuck you, I'm here to talk about Bruno. Um, <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah, Megan, you, mean, you, <laughs> you do you. Did y'all see the meme that it's like things we don't talk about? Bruno and Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. wow. But, you know, we ha- we also had the In Memoriam like that was played. And then I don't know how they do these because they definitely ignored some people. Um, yeah like didn't they like did bob saget like he didn't even make it in like and that was i will yeah. say of death like that one was like one of the hardest hitting it's bob saget yeah 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 it should have been there it should have been clear like it's just like up top this is very recent yeah i mean i don't know how they <laughs> how they decide and how they choose like i don't know who they ask it's such a weird event truly did you guys mention Ed Asner too? Because I know that he wasn't on the In Memoriam either. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The In Memoriam is such a weird... I mean, like, I get it. It's like... But it definitely is... Uh, a, it's a strange segment because it, it, there's just too many ways to get it wrong, essentially. I Like, for some reason... I, I, I'm definitely, like, my mother's child because, like, my, I remember growing up, my mom always read the obituary section and I'd always be like, why do you read the obituary section? But now... I think as I'm older, I'm like, I, yeah, I want to. I kind of want to review. I want to review of the people who have died recently. I'm gonna need just need to know for my own yeah 
you know. This has got to be know. like a human urge because obituaries are a strange thing, but it's got to be something that is like satisfying and calming and like a, a sense of like closure, you know. So I, I, I think I get that for sure. Okay, now it's time for my favorite segment that we do every week, which is Sorry Not Sorry, where we either apologize uh, to someone, which uh, I rarely do, or uh, we ask, you know, someone to apologize to us. So I'm going to start with Kiki. So what's 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 happening? This week, I want an apology from uh, Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas, because I started watching this this movie that they did together. And I think this is the movie where they hooked up or whatever. Anyways, I just, I'm watching it and I'm trying to like see what's going on. And I, and I get like an hour in and I'm still like, this is terrible, but also confusing, <laughs> but I don't want to watch it anymore. So I just stopped watching it. But like, now I, I still have to go back and watch this terrible movie just so i can finish it to tell people how horrible it is just so i can confirm its horribleness and i'm really annoyed that i have to waste um another hour to do that but i'm gonna do it um (laughs) but i would like an apology from ben and anna for wasting my time i didn't think that movie was gonna be good but um (laughs) i love a thriller i love a thriller so you can you can always trick me into watching just about any thriller yeah is it is it kind of like Gone Girl a little bit? No, because Gone Girl is good. <laughs> so, so it's not. I would say no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I would like to apologize this week again. My family, when we get into like drama or bickering or whatever, I'm the worst because I uh, try to solve everybody's issues and triangulate <laughs> accidentally. And then I talk to one person. I'm like, well, maybe you should consider doing this and maybe you should apologize or I'm not a part of the drama at all. But then I tangentially insert myself into my family drama therefore making it worse and helping no one. And so I would like to let everybody know that I have learned my lesson. I will no longer talk to my mom about what my sister says or to my sister about what my mom says. And I will just let them sort out every little detail between them. And I will not try to fix it for them. You know, I just love drama and I love to insert myself in it. And I need to learn that that is a bad idea, honey. I think uh. there's a there's a term on TikTok that is used. It's something like the D.O. M-Y-O-B, the Department of Mind Your Own Business, and you should join Uh, that department. Yeah, yeah, I got to join that department. (laughs) I uh, I really don't have much this week, you know, to apologize for or ask an apology from um, from people to. This is a general apology. It's not even a, a specific apology to this week. But I have friends who come to and visit New York City and like would hit me up and be like, let's hang out, which is, um, I mean, I feel like Kiki, you, you'd, uh, you'd understand this, but when you have friends who come over and they do not understand that for us to hang out, you'd have to be in my neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, I am not going to meet you at the place you're at. No. And I have had that happen with, uh, with a friend this week where they were like, hey, uh, do you have a good brunch spot that we can meet at? And uh, so I would recommend the spot that I like a lot because it's a five minute walk from my place. And, uh, <laughs> and that's and that's why it's great. That's the only criteria. <laughs> I don't care about the food. I just don't want to take the subway. And then they hit me up maybe an hour after. I'm like, oh, can you do this? I made a reservation at this place. And to say that I had to cross the bridge to go there. I mean, like, no. Wow, that like literally bridge too far. Like, what's happening here? Like, do- is it essentially <laughs> like asking like somebody to cross state lines and travel? Oh, <laughs> in yeah. order to get yeah. to where for brunch? Okay, like, yeah, too much. Yeah, like to ask me to come to the Upper West Side or whatever. I mean, no. I need my passport for this. You can't, you can't <laughs> ask me to do this. And then you know, I come all the way there for like a what a an egg sandwich that I could have made home. I'm overpaying and I am taking a long subway ride. No. I feel like this, this exactly. This is the thing. Like if you if you're ever in New York City, 
first of all, have fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and second, uh, I, you have my location. Please hang out in places around me. Yeah. Mm. And that's it. And or else, hey, see you next time when you plan battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. As somebody who recently visited you and actually went to your house, to your apartment, I feel I came as close as possible. As you I did could. great. We met. We met. We met for brunch. Absolute <laughs> deliverable convenience for you. Because we met for for dinner, and that was a ten minute walk from my house. Perfect. Amazing. Great oh, job. Amazing. And then you came to my apartment for my birthday. I did not even have to leave my apartment. I stayed on my couch. 10 out of 10. This is everyone, please be like Oha. <laughs> I did good, but I didn't yeah. even know I was doing good. But also, you definitely suggested the place and I just accepted. So. Exactly. Yeah, listen <laughs> I was like, to Great, you. that sounds good. Listen to your New Yorker friends. Great. Really listen. We are people. <laughs> the other thing you did too was you told me, well, we, we live in this area. And I was like, great, I will get an Airbnb that's five blocks away from you. Amazing. House. I did everything. I exactly. did everything. Amazing. Yeah. Don't get a yeah. hotel in Times Square and then act like we're going to hang out every day. I will never go to Times Square. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. There's no reason for me to be there. I mean, never. you go and do your like uh, Sex in the City, like fantasy, like whatever New York trip. Not me. I'm not leaving Brooklyn. <laughs> I love that all your friends that are coming to visit you are like, oh, I love Sex in the City. I need to go. To I For some reason, I don't envision all of your friends loving Sex in the City. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think anyone loves Sex in the City. Everyone watches it to yeah. see what's going to happen. It's a default. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we go, we definitely want to remind you that if you've been liking, I'm sorry, if you've been listening to me, Kiki and Mo, have an amazing time and just talking about all the snafus that are happening online and in the world, definitely leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. So Apple, Spotify, both of them. It definitely helps us out so much. And yeah, we just want to thank you uh, for supporting us and listening to the show. We love you for it. Yes, please. Reviews. Do now. Go. <laughs> and don't forget to check out our bonus episode specifically on Will and the Chris Rock of it all. Oh my God. So juicy. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. This episode was produced by Jorge Olivares. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor. And theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Feminist Erin Gibson. And I'm homosexual Brian Safi. And we're the co-hosts of the Attitudes Podcast. Where we talk about LGBT plus issues, gender issues, and pop culture. Probably with much less respect than they deserve. Look, it's a wild world, and we want to help you laugh at it. Plus, we discuss everything going on in our lives. Like, what do you do when your husband accidentally starts a fire in a dumpster? And the best armpit slapping techniques to get rid of the bags under your eyes. Thanks for the advice, Mom. And of course, how to spin a wig around to achieve a brand new look. Ah, uh, stunning. So if you're a fan of high heel shoe chairs or have a crippling fear of hot air balloons, but also believe in social justice, then this show's for you. Listen to Attitudes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jose Andres. Maybe you know me from my restaurants or maybe from Wall Central Kitchen the organization I founded to feed people after disasters. Well, it's time for you to know my podcast, Longer Tables. Each episode, I get to know fascinating people in the most intimate way, through food. Stacey Abrams, Jojo Ma, Jane Goodall, Padma Lakshmi. I will answer questions from listeners too. Join me in building longer tables, not higher walls, whatever you get your podcasts.